Hi there, and welcome to Planet Now, where it's all about the people, places, things, and ideas that teach us, prompt us to make a difference, and do more with what life presents. I'm Liz Anderson, your host. Just call me Miss Liz. Our guest is one of those people who does all the things. Okay, maybe not all the things, but she sure does a whole lot of them. Her name is Stacia D. Wright. She's an event and media strategist, owner of Be Real Media Management. She is not a one-trick pony, honey, or like that dude in the biblical parable of the ten talents with, like, that one talent that gets buried. She's more like the multiple talent folks in that story. I'm tweaking and sort of reprising a line from the movie The Best Man. Don't you know a sister got gifts? She runs a business, is a wife, a mommy. She's even had a viral video, among other interesting things in her life. She also has a thing or three to say about knowing your worth and the value you bring to the table. Let's find out a little bit more about Stacia D. Wright, owner of Be Real Media Management. We met up at a local Panera Bread, so what you're hearing in the background are the cars driving on by. I think life would be too boring if I were just to do one thing. (laughs) So my first business is, my primary business is event management, in which I'm the owner and founder of Be Real LLC, or Be Real Media Management is kind of what I function under. It's my DBA. And in that company, which I've had over... 12 years in which I do event management. Um, Most of my clients are corporate clients like universities, UNCF, Brian Culbertson, jazz festivals, things of that nature. And so that is the bulk of my business when it comes to event management. I'll do specialty events on the side, like K for K, which is Connecting for a Cause. That is a charity fundraiser type event that I put together. And then I've done private events for friends who are writers and authors, celebrity chefs, if they want to do smaller events, then I'll take those on occasionally. But that's primarily what I do with Be Real Media Management. In addition to that, with the multiple pony shows going on in my life, (laughs) is that um, my passion has always been media and radio and television which I also have my degree in. And so in and out of my life has been radio and television. So I also have my own radio show, which is Internet Radio, Bright Radio, bringing right inspiration to everyone, in which I have the Stacia D. Wright show, The Drive. And I interview entrepreneurs and guests and people and everybody from artists to authors, people who are making a difference in both who are celebrity and non-celebrity in the world that I feel has a story that's powerful and will motivate people to have their own drive. As an entrepreneur, I realize that lots of our stories don't get told. And so I appreciate what you're doing with Planet Now and other organizations that highlight maybe the obscure people that are feeling like a duck that you're pedaling feverishly under the water and it looks like it's smooth sailing on top, but that's not really the case because <laughs> you're always running around. So that's another passion is uh, being a personality and radio host for the Stacia D. Wright Show. So, um, you know, I guess those are my two mainstays of what I do in addition to being a mom, which is always a full-time job. <laughs> 24-7, 365. Can we add an extra day? Hello. I need it. <laughs> I need all of the days, all of the hours. Please give them to me. Oh my gosh, that is funny. So uh, let's go back to the drive. When I first heard the name, I immediately thought afternoon drive, morning drive. Your show is in the afternoon. So I thought afternoon drive time. But you're also talking about a person's purpose and what leads them to do what they do. So what leads you to do what you do? What's your drive? 
That's a very good question when it comes to what personally my drive is. As you've mentioned, the drive when we came up with the title of it, it's a drive time show from 3 to 7, Monday through Friday on Bright Radio, um, brightradio.com. But it also is about what drives a person. I'm interested in the question that you asked. And I so for me, I've always been very passionate about people. I'm a people person. I'm an extrovert. I am not a person that likes to deal with frivolousness. I'm really an advocate of authenticity. And there comes a time when a lot of people I've realized in my line of work in a communication and media, most of the time people don't know how to properly express themselves. And I've felt that God has gifted me with the ability to both have interpersonal skills, but also have a way to be able to tell a person's story in a way that they may not have been able to tell it. And I believe that when you're given a gift, then you have the ability to use that to the betterment of somebody else, whether it's a worldwide change or it might just be an individual change with that person. I kind of use that as I interweave it through both my business as an event planner because lots of times they will say, this is my vision and this is my idea. I have no idea how to implement that. Well, I could realize they are being transparent in their authenticity and lots of times I'm working with nonprofits and they're saying, this is what we envision wanting to happen. And so when I deal with them, I say, okay, how can I communicate that across to your guests or to your potential people who want to buy into your dream because I've realized in my line of work and the things that I've picked up over time you know people people don't give to need people give and are motivated by vision and um, if you can paint the vision then people will respond to it but it all is about your wording and how that's communicated and how you're presenting yourself. And so I believe that God's gifted me with the ability to be able to do that both in my own life as as I still sometimes struggle and figure it out and need to restructure how I use my time. Oftentimes I'll be so passionate about helping people that I'll be like, oh, wait, I need to figure out a way to charge you for this because I'll just be like all in. Like I realize there's something about startups and making a dream become reality, which happens to be a phrase that I use for my company, making your dreams a reality. I love it when people come and they go, this is an idea. And I go, well, how can we make that idea happen? So whether it's from an event or whether it's from a show standpoint or whether it's from, I'll get on board with things that have already been established because those usually have some, some financial gain to them, but I get excited about the stuff that nobody else has done before. And I guess that's kind of my drive is to be authentic and unique and be able to make a difference within those bounds of maybe repurposing, recommunicating, having something that maybe people hadn't seen before or hadn't realized that they had the potential to make better and communicating that effectively across to people. That sounds <laughs> nice. <altruistic>. But <laughs> Well, that sounds like, you know, more people should be like that but that's you know that's just my opinion (laughs) betterment of others (laughs) thank you yeah I mean I guess it is kind of like I just want everybody to be great but you know it's to me it's not about competition I've realized (laughs) one of the things I used I interned one summer at the bold and the beautiful in Los Angeles get out of here (laughs) okay (laughs) 
so it was crazy because I didn't really watch soap operas. So I was in college and I was like, got this internship, best thing ever. Now I did meet Shamar Moore, so that was the highlight of that whole summer. Woo! <laughs> but outside of that, what I realized was going into and seeing that side of the business because I was like, well, what do I want to do? Do I want to be an actress? You know, what type of industry do I want to work in? And I realized working that summer was the educational aspect was that I realized that people are really self-absorbed. I mean, it is in a lot of the industry, it is about angles and what can you get and, well, I'll do this for you, but what are you doing for me? And I'm just an intern and the actors are coming to me like, how much fan mail did I get? And because they knew that at any time the producers could write them out of the script and they're hoping that the fan mail is going to keep them from getting written out of the script because they were getting killed left and right. I mean, they'll write you out for some cancer that's curable. Yeah. <laughs> and some of these stuff. <laughs> okay, you have me snorting over here. <laughs> they were getting cut next. I mean, only if you'd been on the show forever were you. I mean, everybody has the potential of being out of work if you're an actor in, the, in that type of industry. And I realized, I was like, this is real kind of cutthroat here. I mean, it's entertainment and that is fulfilling a purpose in human nature that we want to be entertained. But at the same time, I realized, well, what is this actually doing to benefit other people? So for me, it was an eye-opening experience to go, I don't think I want to do this. But I love industry and media and acting and arts. And so out of this, what do I want to take away that's actually going to hopefully enrich somebody's life and not to knock actors and things like that I do do some acting but I'm hoping that what I'm doing then will open the door for somebody else and fulfilling their dreams and I just think that if if what you're doing is only about furthering yourself then you're missing the purpose of why God put us on this earth in the first place help someone else along if I can help somebody as I pass along then then, you know, you, my living, my living is not in vain. <laughs> I mean, because at the end of your life and you look back, what let's, what, what is it to gain the world and lose your soul? Like you have, you've gotten the fame, you've gotten the money, you've gotten all of the things that you were paper chasing. But if you die and you haven't given time to your kids or your children hate you or people who worked with you regret that they met you or that you haven't left a person or a situation better than when it came in, then, you know, that's a pretty sad overall existence is, I guess, where my perspective is. And, and I would like, when I look back, that each step of the way, even if it was just a small improvement, I'm hoping that what I have left is a, is a better mark than what I, when I came in. Talk about learning something interesting. I had zero idea Stasia interned for a soap opera. <laughs> and a collection of experiences that she learned while working for the soap opera, as well as, you know, just total life experience, has led her to the idea that you just heard. Leave things better than when you found them. People's lives. Try and leave them better after you're gone. So let's get more about her experience, including... An answer to this question, did she ever, ever punch a job clock before becoming her own boss? More with Stacia Wright of Be Real Media Management. I most certainly did. Everybody got to start somewhere. And I will give credit. I, I was working since I was about 14 years old because I 
grew up in a little town, Huntsville, Alabama, and on a college campus, HBCU, which is also my alma mater, Oakwood, now university. And they had jobs for students and so are young people and so I started off at the natatorium which really I don't know people call it natatoriums anymore but it was the pool (laughs) so I worked at the pool that was my very first job punching a clock and that's where I started kind of learning more structure and what it means how your time is valued of course back then it was like four dollars for minimum wage so we wasn't making no money but at 12 hey four (laughs) dollars was a big deal I guess but that was four Taco Bell burritos. Oh, what? You could set what ninety nine, seventy nine. Something was back in the day. We had seventy nine cent burritos over there. Fifty nine, seventy nine, ninety nine. Yes, fifty nine, seventy nine, ninety nine. That's right. Taco Bell was my spot. I could afford four of them, but. <laughs> But from there, I then went on and, and got other positions. My, thankfully, my parents were like, you need to focus on your studies and finish graduating before you get are working out of the places. So, but I then worked at a radio station while I was in college. So that was another time where I learned my craft and fell in love with radio at that time because I was able to work in radio. And it was the campus job because it was the campus radio station. But I had to clock in and be on time. I was a little late sometimes. And when you do in the morning drive, what was it? The morning? I did the, what was it? Morning joy. <laughs> yeah. I, I understand, girl. You know, I did that girl. shift. <laughs> yes. Morning joy. And I was all new, so I just did the weather. I was the weather girl. Well, if you get late and the people are needing their weather at the very top of the morning and you're showing up 10 minutes late, they were like, yeah, we're going to need you to learn how to use your time better. And I was like, oh. Oh, this is bad. But I learned a lot of discipline when it came to that. So punched a clock there. And then once I finished college, of course, I had to get a real job because I was not like, hmm, I could be eventually I want to be an entrepreneur, but I need to start somewhere. <laughs> so so I um, actually started as a postgraduate communication intern at what it was called ACN, not the ACN, the networking model, but it was um, Adventist Communication Network is where I started off for the North American Division. That was a very cool job. I was able to then hone a lot of the skills that comes with verging into television and learning more about producing and did a little bit of casting. I learned a little bit of everything, and at that time then I, was, I had the opportunity during my 10 years of working for the North American Division was able to merge that into starting the very first and only really film festival, um, which was called is called the Sunscreen Film Festival. And I produced and founded that and ran that until 2010. And thankfully, it still has longevity because it's still alive today with a new producer and it's gone on. And so that makes you feel good when you know you started something and it got enough of a foundation that it has legs to survive beyond you. But that was punching the clock. And there's so many things that I learned by observing other people that, you know, it's something you can't take away. And I would say to people who are passionate about what they do and may want to become an entrepreneur, don't make the mistake. Maybe for some it's not a mistake, but don't assume that you can't work for somebody else and that it's not going to be valuable to you. Because that's where you get your feet wet. That's where you figure out structure. That's how you know what terminologies are, what per diem is, what, you know, how to know what the value of your time is versus salary versus hourly. Structures like that are 
great you get your feet wet with seeing being a part of a structure in which you can see how it's done. I mean, you can learn it, I suppose, at McDonald's and things like that. But for me, I learned it in corporate and it was very helpful as I ventured out. And then I was able to, quite frankly, start my passions on the side while I was still making money from the person I'm working for. So that by the time I was able to launch my own company independently, I had built up equity as well because that way you're getting paid while you're also learning and making mistakes while you're trying to learn and build your own business and you mentioned sunscreen was uh that was the only film festival that you started and that you founded from the ground up what sets sunscreen apart from other film festivals the sunscreen film festival which is uniquely spelled s-o-n s-c-r-e-e-n it was um it's a christian film festival and it was founded to inspire and give a voice to young aspiring Christian filmmakers. Specifically, it was targeting the Seventh-day Adventist young filmmakers because out of, at that time, 16 colleges and universities, several of them had production departments or communications degrees that you could get, but then there wasn't a way for outside of doing your final piece as a senior that your class saw or your school saw nobody outside of that realm would see what your talent was and so along with my co-founder at that time which was jerry and i don't he's retired a long time ago good friend he um supported me in the vein in that he said look i'm an older (laughs) gentleman he said um i appreciated that when somebody who is older values the perspective of a young person because I was in my late 20s when I was given the opportunity to found sunscreen he was like you're the youngest person in our office I'm about to retire but if I like it it probably means you're doing something wrong (laughs) Hmm. okay okay go on go on (laughs) because he said it's supposed to be a program for young people so I'm not in that generation so if What you're creating is something that I get and I totally understand and I'm totally comfortable with. It probably means that you're not being edgy enough. So do something that is going to target the audience that you're trying to attract. So that gave me the wings to be as creative as I wanted to be. I was able to speak the language of the young people because I hadn't been out of college for that long. So me talking to college students, it was like, kind of a surreal experience because I'm looking the same age as them but I'm going back motivating them like hey do you have films let me see let's see what your work is and we set up you know it's com- it was friendly competition but they loved it I mean the young people they just lit up when it came like many of them are first-time filmmakers it gave them an opportunity to create and we were able to then bring in professionals, which gave me an opportunity to tie into. Um, eventually, we ended up in Simi Valley, California, which then we were able to bring in people like Dick Wolf, who did Law and Order, and Devon Franklin, who everybody knows now, but he was an executive at Sony at the time, and you know Franklin Entertainment now, and he and Megan Good travel around talking about their books, and but he came and spoke several times at our film festival, got connections with Nickelodeon, but lots of people are willing to give of their time to inspire the next generation. And it was inspiring to me to see all of that happen. So I guess the uniqueness would be that we realized that as a Christian festival, it was about supporting, yes, the dreams of a young filmmaker who may not have had the opportunity or it was looked at as taboo because 
the denomination we were part of was really conservative. I didn't even grow up going to the movies, um, quite frankly. So I grew up in a very conservative background. And so to found a film festival where we're inviting people to come into a theater was pretty, you know, that was edgy. Because <laughs> same here, you know, we didn't go to the movies. And then, of course, you know, the first movie I went to was New Jack City. So when I went, I went all in. <laughs> all the way in. I think I snuck to the movies the first time I went. And I was like, I don't, I'm, is my angel outside? I mean, there was some foolishness that we would fed as 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 conservative young people in our church and really thought that God was not pleased about us going to the movies and I was just like you know let me challenge the status quo on that because why not and it was me connecting with so many amazing filmmakers who also became associate producers for the film festival who really challenged the thinking and saying you know we we People go to the movies and then you're looking and you're seeing um, Rick Swartzwelder, who was one of my very first programming people for the for the film festival and, and a phenomenal film writer and director and actor himself, kind of said, you know what, when you're sitting in the theater and you're looking up and you're seeing kids in a theater looking at the screen and they're just, or even sitting at home and watching a TV screen and they're literally absorbing all of this information why would it not make you want to make sure that what they're absorbing is something that is going to make a difference in their life? They are sponges. And so who are we, at least we came from the perspective with the Christian Festival, who are we to say that we don't have a say in how that story should be communicated, that we don't have a place that we're going to allow for people who are maybe unchurched or have a different perspective that isn't going to be of benefit long term eternally to a person tell those stories and tell them incorrectly why don't we tell the authentic story with the truth that we know and the knowledge that we know with expertise and excellence just because you're a christian doesn't mean that you should give god what you're left over when hollywood and everybody else is giving their best they're putting millions and millions and millions of dollars into networks and televisions and studios and it's about making money where if you're going to tell a everlasting story that can make an everlasting benefit in somebody's life, then, then let it come from somebody who actually believes in that story and make them the best that they can be at telling that story. So that was kind of our goal was to say, do whatever you're going to do, even if you find out that your passion might be film, but you might be a terrible filmmaker. But you need to learn that somewhere versus you go and waste all your money at film school and you have no talent in it. Or you find out you have a hidden talent and you were really good at writing, but you have to figure out which part of it. You're a great writer, but you're not a great actress. Or you are an actress, but you have a conflict with some of the scripts that you've been given. Or you really have a powerful story that you want to tell, but you don't have the skill set to tell it properly. So come here, get trained. And um, that was kind of what we wanted to do is say and talk to other people who have paved the way, who've done it before, and the pitfalls of what that looks like. Dick Wolf was very transparent in his conversations with our young people. He had his car drive him all the way out from L.A., all the way to Simi Valley, talked to the young people for an hour, got back in his car. He didn't even take the honorarium. He had us donate the honorarium to one of the charities that he gives to. But he basically did it for free. But his advice was make sure you know what you are risking before you get into the business he's like because 
yeah, while I might have a great career and resume as far as law and order and everything that I've been able to do, I've been through three marriage divorces. And I don't have a great relationship with my kids because I gave everything to this industry. So just know what you're giving up and what you want to risk. And I guess that's the thing beyond the festival that I want people in, in life to take away. It's not just about an event that it's about the everlasting impact of what your time is put into. As Auntie Maxine, reclaiming your time, you got to decide how you want to use your time. And if all your time is going to be given to your work, then that's what's going to come out at the end of time. And then, therefore, you won't have the relationships that you or you'll be verbalizing that my family is number one but if you don't spend any time with your family because you always work in well then they're not feeling number one and you've missed that window of time with your kids and things that really should matter you have to balance that and that's something I'm still learning today but I was hoping with the film festival back to the original question (laughs) it was unique because I hope we were hoping to give them both skills in industry and knowledge in industry but also skills and life skills beyond that point speaking of balance (laughs) and you said you said you're still learning but day to day what do you do to maintain your balance as much as possible with two young children and basically a full-time business well I tell you you need a spouse if you can get one (laughs) who is amazing like mine maintaining balance is is definitely a, a give and take it is an ongoing battle that I will say I have not figured out 100% of the time. Half the time I'm winging it. But I have found fulfillment in living in the moment and not allowing a moment to pass by as much as possible anyway that I would regret. When my kids are like, hey, mommy, can you wrestle with us or play Tickle Monster? I'm in the middle of packing their lunches. Or I'm on a conference call and I'll be like, okay, hold on. They know that there's a balance of mommy having to do what I need to do. But also, I know when I there is a period of time where I need to shut it down. But a lot of it is me and my husband balancing that out too. And knowing what you can take on. And that there is power in the word no. I realize, and it may just be a woman thing or an entrepreneur person thing or a person who's passionate about stuff a lot of times you don't want to say no because it's uh, sometimes people look at it as as no is a bad thing because you are not making yourself available to other people but the other thing is when when you use the power of no you are also telling people that you value your time and that your time is valuable and so While I'd love to say yes to everything, that's just not realistic. I'm not going to let you run me down into the ground. And then I don't have anything left to give to my family or the things that I've decided is important to me. So even with my business, I realize I have to give it as much as I can for for the moments that I can. And then I have to shut it down because that's what's going to keep me energized to go on to the next day, to be able to have the energy to go swimming and do the other things that I decide are important for my family's health because 
you know, my husband and I, we don't get the date night that we'd like to have. It's usually a family date night with a four and a six-year-old. And we're finding stuff that all four of us can do together. Eventually, we get our two one by ourselves, but kids seem to be able to sabotage that half the time. But <laughs> but they're not going to be four and six forever. And I realize this is, I need to embrace the moments that we have. And when mommy is busy and mommy is working, they get it. And my husband picks up the slack and I'm like, babe, I, he's an executive. He has a full-time job. He's really the breadwinner because when you're an entre- entrepreneur, your money is funny sometimes. <laughs> it, it, it ebbs and flows. And so he is the he is the king of the castle. And so, but he supports me and my passions. And so we're a team. It's a partnership. It's, um, it's, I go, Hey, I really want to do this. Do you think we could possibly work this out for me to be able to have this opportunity over here? It's not paying a whole lot, but I want to be able to do it. And he'll go, okay. And I was like, well, I need you to pick up the kids. Normally I'm the one picking up the kids and dropping them off. And I'm like, can you pick them up? If I drop them off this morning, can I run over here and do this? And he's like, I got you, babe. And so, you know, or he'll be like, no, that's really not going to work. And I'll be like, okay, well, that's not an opportunity I can take right now. It's an ever ever shifting kind of uh, thing where you have to sometimes I have to be called out on you know um I'm gonna need you to use your time a little bit more wisely I'll be up till 4 a.m sometimes because I'm trying to catch up with checking emails and responding back to people because all day I was doing stuff with the kids or in interviews or meeting with clients and so come five o'clock I'm on mommy time and I'm like don't call me don't try to have no meeting with me unless I've worked something out. Then that's the time that I specifically designate that if I can't meet you before X amount of time, then I'm off limits unless I maybe might send see an email from me at 1 a.m. when I'm back to working because I don't want my family time interrupted. Choices you make. You have to do what you need to do to have the life that you want. Yeah, I mean, and it's not always pretty because sometimes you fail. And I'll look up and I'll realize I told my kids I was going to sit down and do Legos with them or help my son build something. And I look up and realize it's been a couple of days and I haven't done that yet because I put another project ahead of that. And I have to check myself and my kids will check me. They'll be like, Mommy, um, remember that time that you said you were going to sit down and help me? If you want honesty, (laughs) ask a child. Girl, they will keep you honest. They are like, you did not do what you said you were going to do. My poor son, his he lost his tooth, and the tooth fairy did not come for two days because I kept forgetting to put that money under the pillow. <laughs> he was like, Mommy, he curled up with this tooth again. Mommy, really? I was like, oh, sorry, son. The tooth fairy's coming tonight. But that's hilarious because he knows it's you. Yes. My husband thinks he's like, you are such a spoiler. (laughs) My kids already know there's no Santa. They know there's no tooth fairy. But I'd be like, well, because I'm not going to lie to my kids. They're like, mommy, tooth, is there a tooth fairy? I was like, well, tooth fairy and the mommy are very close. (laughs) And then he's like, it's you, isn't it? I was like, so now he's just like, I lose, lost my tooth. I'm putting it. I was like, go well, put it under your pillows. So we just go through the motions. And then when I forget, he's like, Mom, where's my money? Okay. <laughs> Come on now. Show up, Tooth Fairy. So I was like, my bad, my bad, boo-boo. I got you. I got you. Go to sleep. Close your eyes real fast and I'll look in the morning. 
<laughs> but sometimes I fail and and thankfully children are resilient and forgiving. And so are spouses if you have a good one. <laughs> Cuz he's like, "Babe, what happened to the dishes?" I'm like, "Ooh, yeah, that didn't get done." <laughs> but I got some other stuff done. <laughs> he's like, "Mhm." So, you know, it's trial and error, but at the end of the day, I think if you can look at yourself in the mirror and feel like you have done your best with the time that you had that day. And some days I'm like, I was totally lazy. I did not do my best. You start again tomorrow. And sometimes every now and then you get a surprise. Like, you know, maybe you're recording a video with your daughter and then all of a sudden a bunch of people see it. <laughs> it goes viral. <laughs> So what was that like? Because I'm sure to me, I you know, I saw it. Um, I think I saw it early on. And then all of a sudden, I see you on TV. I'm like, well, I think that went far. <laughs> yes. So the potty song went viral. And that was exactly that, a complete surprise. Janae was two. And I was in the throes of potty training, bane of a parent's existence, I must say, next to birthing the child and breastfeeding would be potty training. And so I was so frustrated that I was like, what's the best way for kids to learn? Maybe I can make her excited about potty training. And then I said, um, let's pee pee in the potty. Poop poop in the potty. Tell mommy when you need to pee. <laughs> and, then, and then she got so excited about it. I was like, oh, well, let me record this because if I record it, then maybe we, I don't have to keep singing it all the time. She can watch it and then that'll get it ingrained in her head for me to hopefully get her potty trained faster. We recorded it. So I was a part of this mommy's group and I put it up in the mommy's group. And then one of the mommies was like, all the mommies loved it. And they were like, you know, could you make it public so that I could share it with my husband or a potential other mommy who isn't in the mommy group and I was like um sure so I made the post public on my Facebook page and then next thing I knew I looked up it was like I posted it one day and then I looked up and I was like hmm this has like 2,000 views and then I looked again like a couple of hours later and it was like 7,000 views and then it was like 9,000 views. And I was like, oh, what is happening? And, <laughs> and I then by probably two to three days later, we had had like, I think we had like five to six million hits on the video. And I said, uh, this might be something. And then I started getting inboxes and then Fox 5 reached out to me local DC Fox 5 and so I was like um they were like hey we saw that your video went viral could we interview you and I was like okay <laughs> so we I brought Janae in and we went on the show with my son and Janae and I we went on um Fox 5 DC on their morning show which I love and then because I guess people were looking for feel-good stories all the Fox affiliates across the nation picked it up and so then it got a whole nother boost. And then we got getting messages from China and Australia and wow. all across the world. People were like, this video is making life easier for me. Parents were sending me their testimonials. And, it, and I was like, oh, um, what are we supposed to do here? So we went ahead and started Janae's potty song page. Like She has her own social media account now. <laughs> I got her her own publicist. 
cleverly changing, helps me with her social media page to this day. And, um, you know, it's one of those things where it was totally unexpected, but I realized there is a common thread among hating potty training (laughs) (laughs) and parents needing a solution. (laughs) So it was, it was good times. It was totally crazy and for a period of time I had to put almost everything with my business on hold because I was like wait a minute I need to focus in on what she what I'm doing what she's doing and so even now that she's four it'll still come up every once in a while so what's next with Janae's potty song well Stacia says they're working with the producer to get it recorded and available on iTunes so if you want the latest stay tuned for her social media information and we'll be tracking the latest about the song at planetnown.com I'm sure that song will come in handy for those of you who are as Stacia says (laughs) in the throes of potty training now I don't have any kids but I remember when one of my nieces was in that stage oh my gosh my sister and I only kept her one once a week for the entire weekend most of the time. But ooh, those were some rough days. Oh, those were some rough days. So I'm sure that song will come in handy for anyone who is in the trenches of toileting. So on to our next part. You know, I've learned that when someone runs their own business, especially a home-based biz, there are some misconceptions about the owner's abundance of time. Well, one of the misconceptions, that there is an everlasting, gobstopping fountain of seconds, minutes, and hours. Well, how true is that? Let's get into it. We were talking earlier about one of the biggest misconceptions that people have about someone who runs their own business. And one of those things could be, oh, hey, I'm free at XYZ. Um, I need you to show up or I need you to do this at this time. Or how about this? Or just the idea that, well, you're not doing much because you work from home. Or I see you post that you're at Panera sometimes. So you have plenty, you have, well, today you have plenty of time. (laughs) But I don't assume that you have plenty of time, if that makes sense. (laughs) Right, right. And you know how many times we had to reschedule this interview. So you know I don't have plenty of time. (laughs) Well, I will say this. I think it's a mix. Part of it, there is definitely misconception. And it's misconception, I'd say, maybe in, in two ways. In one way, people have the misconception that you're always busy. Because if you are posting on a regular basis, um, depending on what you're posting, if you're actually posting things that you're doing, then people will in one end go, I think you're too busy. I'm not even going to reach out to you because you're probably too busy to talk to me. On the other hand, people will go, oh, well, you work from home. These are the times that I can, you know, hey, give me a call. That's the thing that kills me when they're like, they'll call, leave a message and say, just give me a call when you have time. And I'm like, yeah, I don't have any time. Because that's actually reality. When you're an entrepreneur, you are literally on 24-7. There's no break. There's, It's not like the traditional job where you clock in and you clock out. Like you've done your job for the day and you can come back again tomorrow. As an entrepreneur, you're always, if you're doing it effectively anyway, you're always thinking about the next thing. You're planning ahead for the next thing. You're always looking out for the next opportunity. You're trying to position yourself for the next thing. Sometimes I'm like, I need to post something today and I don't feel like it. But posting takes time. Being on social media takes time out of which when you're supposed to be working on a proposal or RFP. I mean, you're like, oh, but I need to make sure I have a presence on social media over here. So let me do that. So, And it's more than just typing up some words and clicking publish because as we know people get in trouble 
for doing just that. <laughs> Roseanne. I mean, there is plenty of thing. There is definitely a method to the madness, and I will never claim to be an expert when it comes to social media. But I have taken the time to talk with several people and have hired and brought on people at uh, different times to, to show me the ropes or just help me with my social media pages. But that is, that's a job in and of itself. And I'm still trying to figure out some of these things, the nuances and the way Facebook sets up their stuff. You'd be like, oh, they changed the strategy of how that works and how many hashtags you can put up. All that stuff changes, so you have to stay on top of it. So it's both an educational process that you're going through because the cheapest way for an entrepreneur to continue to stay relevant or to continue to have their name or presence out there is that the cheapest thing is social media. You don't have big marketing budgets. Um, to be able to go out and put billboards everywhere and all that kind of stuff like people who are in corporate America or large budget companies have. So you use what you have access to, which is social media. And you have to give time to that. You can't just let that sit by the wayside, but you often have to be work smarter and not harder. And that's a lesson I'm still learning and to not try to do it all yourself. I'm in the process right now of looking for an assistant. So, yeah, if anybody wants to, uh, <laughs> where should they call? What should, who, who should they call? Where should they email? I need an assistant right now, actually. I need somebody to intern or something. But uh, you can, yeah, I would say email me, Stacia, be real, S-T-A-C-I-A-B as in boy, R-E-E-L, at gmail.com. Or hit me up at StaciaDWrite.com, which is uh, my website, Be Real llc.com as well and um, I have a form right there where people usually fill out to say what they want to communicate okay so I don't know if you heard anything in the background but there was a break in our conversation because someone with a squeaky shoe wearing child was near us and you know as kids do they run a lot and play a lot so we needed to take a break and Stacia had me rolling with her squeaky shoe commentary (laughs) let's just say she's not a big fan (laughs) but anyway back to our chat Stacia D. Wright of Be Real Media Management and the Stacia D. Wright Show on Bright Radio so as an entrepreneur your time is really precious because you realize that you don't have a break where other people can clock in and clock out and go, ah, I've done my eight hours for today. I've clocked in at nine. I'm clocking out at five. I'm good. As an entrepreneur, there is no break time. You are constantly thinking about what's the next best way to position yourself. What's the next best way to look at problem solving because you're constantly problem solving. You're trying to figure out innovative ways that are both cost effective usually but are going to give biggest bang for your buck. So utilizing your social media, being able to know how to use that and utilize your time on social media better. So all of that comes into play. So when people go, you, do you have time to do such and such? I'm like, mm, it kind of depends. I mean, I will make time, but it has to be worth my time. And you have to know what your time is valued. That's the other thing that I learned is oftentimes people I've run in and had to learn myself and thankfully my husband has his MBA and he's the business guy you know really can give you perspective on what is your time worth and as you get more and more experience then you are more and more valuable if you've been in the industry whatever you've been doing for 10 years and you've been able to have repeat customers and you have been able to maintain relationships and you've been able to grow your business in different ways or people have put their trust and value in you then 
you should know that your rates can and should go up because you are now bringing experience to the table where before when you were just a startup and it was like this is my very first client just give me a shot yeah you're going to give them a startup price but then you have to protect yourself by going you know I can't you do 299 for the rest of my life we need to uh and not free 99 either <laughs> not free 99 I mean because unless it's a barter which that a lot of times that's what you end up with 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 entrepreneurs and artistic people and creatives as I like to call us is that you'll give everything away for free not realizing it and that's something you have to discipline yourself about is go, is knowing the value of your knowledge and where you may think it's not that big of a deal yeah sure I mean this is how you should act and this is how you should be on camera and this is how you should plan and this is how you should think through things and these are the first three things you need to think about before you start an event it comes kind of second nature because that's what I do but to somebody who doesn't know anything my phrase is this for people who know it it's awfully simple but for somebody who doesn't know it it's simply awful and that's the stuff that you have to know what your value and your worth is and then you put a number to that and yeah let them negotiate you down but I have to keep disciplining myself by going yeah I'm worth it and it's okay if people walk away it's okay sometimes to lose quote-unquote potential business because you have put the value and onus on your time and how much you're worth you can say I'm I'm worth ten thousand dollars or whatever to do this for you and they go hmm you know, I only have $2,000. And you go, well, I'm sorry you can't afford me. I would love to work with you. I could probably refer you maybe to somebody else. But if you want me and what I come with and my expertise, and this is what I'm valued at, yeah, I might have missed out on that $2,000. It might have been able to get me some gas for a little bit. But you're potentially setting yourself up to get a bigger opportunity because then people will go I know if I come to her next time I need to already have XYZ in place because then it doesn't waste my time and I don't waste your time. So you mentioned bartering and we were also talking a little bit earlier about that thin line between giving your expertise and then it's spilling over into I think I likened it in my notes I likened it to a club club consultation. Okay, so how do you keep people from slipping behind the ropes of club consultation without paying the cover? That's right. I'm going to need you to pay a cover. Show <laughs> This ain't a club. You, you need a membership. No. Um, <laughs> that is a very fine line. You're absolutely right. And I've had to learn it because I realized, and quite frankly, I have to give props to my publicist, April Rushing of Rushing Media, because she had to give me a sit-down pep talk on some of that from lessons that she learned. I mean, I've worked with her for years on my film festival. She was a publicist for my film festival. When it came to me needing a publicist, I was like, what are your rates? I'm going to, you know, pay you. I realize we have, we're over, we have a really great friendship, but I want to invest into your company as well. And so we bartered a potential person may not charge you a rate, the regular rates. If you bring something else to the table where you go, this is a value add that I can do for your company or for your business or bring you into a project that I'm knowing that is going to be able to benefit all of us financially. Those are leverage points that when you are a small business, you have to know what you're leveraging and your leverage points are. When it comes to advice and perspective, I've realized as of late that the simple thing is getting even a questionnaire that's really where I started off with is just saying you know let's get a questionnaire 
you give me a call. I'm more than happy to talk to you. I'll usually give a person a you know a certain amount of time in that first conversation to one I need to see how serious you are are you just shooting a breeze or are you coming with something and I used to be kind of squeamish about going so I you know I don't want to ask budget in numbers right now I just want to feel them out and maybe I'll ask about their budget later no mm-mm, don't do that You ask from the top, like, hey, great. And then somewhere in within that 30 minutes of first co- initial conversation is to go, all right, great. And they'll usually come with what they want you to do for them because they'll see they wouldn't be calling you if they didn't see that you were doing something that they see as valuable. Right. So it's either they're coming from two standpoints. They're either coming from one standpoint where they're saying, I want to get in on what you're doing. How can I be a part of what you're doing? Which is usually fine. That means a partnership of some sort. And then that's not really a, you're wasting my time. It's a, okay, we're getting to know each other. We both can figure out a way to make some money or to be beneficial to each other's businesses. Or that's a worthwhile conversation, partnership type conversations. The next conversations though are then the, hey, I see what you're doing. How can I get you to do that for me? And then the next question you need to be asking is, great, what's your budget? Smiling. And then if they start hemming and hawing, you start winding down that conversation. Because it's like you'll end up investing all of your energy into something that they're passionate about. And it wasn't even your dream in the first place. Unless you are completely sold on it and you're like, oh my goodness, I have been looking for this opportunity all my life and you have spoken it into existence. I was just waiting for somebody to partner with on that. Well, then that needs to be it. It needs to be called a partnership. And those boundaries you have to establish for yourself because nobody's going to establish the boundaries for you. So for me, it's about assessing in the first, I think you can assess within the first 20 minutes where a person is coming from if you're really listening. And a lot of it is exactly that. You have to listen. Listen to what they're really saying. And whether or not they're trying to sell you a, a mountain, then and they don't got no mountain money. They don't got no mountain equipment. <laughs> they don't got no mountain shoes. They don't got no ropes. And you're like, um, this mountain is a nice dream. But I'm going to need you to come with some equipment to build this mountain. And then when you get it together, come on back. <laughs> and he goes, I, n- I never want to tell people no, but at the end of the day, I don't have the time to have time wasted. It's not fair to my family. It's not fair to my other clients who have paid for my time for me to be giving my time away for free to somebody who just is shooting the breeze. And I think that's where, again, it goes back to knowing your value and knowing your worth and 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 not being bashful about it probably a downfall of which I have not realized my value and going you know I mean it is what it is and then other people have said no no seriously you need to be charging for that how long did it take you to get to that point where you're just not bashful about that anymore Mm, how long I dare say it probably within the last five years I mean it took a little while for me to come to that point because I used to be people would make an offer to me versus me making the offer to them and they go well this is what I can do or I go well what can you do and they'll go well you know and you're him and hawing and you go 
okay. And half the time I was trying to grow the business at the beginning. So you take jobs that you wouldn't normally take. And once you get the experience or you get it on your resume, then you're like, I can't afford to take a, that anymore because exactly that. I've, I've come to know what my value is. So the reality is that as you become wiser, it would behoove you long term to think long term about where you want to position yourself and where you want people to value you at. Because that's the other thing I learned from church work because I love my church people. But most of the work I I was trained in church stuff, like they really, but half the time, most of the time they're expecting stuff for free. And I have come to really appreciate when an organization can come and say, hey, we know that when you come and give of your time for church, which for me is Saturday, if I'm going to church, if I'm doing something that's not in my profession, like singing on praise team or doing something like that, yeah, I'll do that for free. Or if you're asking me to help with children's story or something like that, that is my gift back to God. So I'm going to do that type of stuff for free. But if you know this is my profession and then you're coming in and asking me to do what I get normally paid for and to donate my time unless it's like a big fundraiser that we're all doing and multiple companies are investing their time and there is a way that people are getting you know validated for it you're getting written up in a book or you know you're getting acknowledged in some way for me my rule is if I get paid for it professionally then I'm not going to volunteer for it because I already know how much I'm worth (laughs) So if you're going to ask me to do something for free and I choose to volunteer for it, it's not usually going to be in the vein of what I've been professionally trained to do. So that's kind of at least my rule of thumb. Some people will go, well, if you that's what you do, then you should give it freely to the church or to nonprofit. That's not what you have chosen to do. They need to accept that. Exactly. And people respect it. And you realize you're not going to lose friends over you setting a boundary. Right. Actually, people respect you more when you set a boundary. When you say, I would love to be able to help you, I could probably refer you to somebody else who also does that on the side, who could potentially do a good job, but this is what I get paid for professionally. So unless you have a a budget that we can work with, I'm not going to be able to provide that for you in this way. But I'm more than happy to, you know, sometimes I even give perspective. I'll come in as a consultant. I'll be like, I'll help consult and get you set up for how you want your event done. But don't come and ask me to produce an entire event for this church thing when you know that normally I'm getting paid X amount of dollars to do that. I don't have the time to do that because I'll end up giving more time to you freely and my clients who are paying me aren't getting my time. Knowing your worth as a business whatever your product. If you create experiences, plan events, cater meals, make jewelry, make pleasantly scented body and hair products. If you sing, you dance, you teach or tutor, write, you mow lawns and clip hedges. If you make coffee, you play recorded or live music, you fix televisions, paint toenails, whatever it is that you do, honey, know your worth and the value of what you bring to the table. And you know what? If those around you don't know or realize it, 
well, you might need to plan to make moves to go where you're appreciated, or maybe to venture out on your own, if that's your calling. In this last segment, it's a brief one, get your pen and paper, unless you're driving, but get ready, because Stacia has her contact info. Here it is. So where can you be found? Online, on social media. Well, thank you, Planet Noun, for asking me where I can be found on social media. I am pretty much everywhere on social media. StaciaDWright.com is my website. Be Real LLC is my company. That's B-R-E-E-L, as in movie real. I can be found on Instagram at StaciaDWright. Also, Be Real LLC on Instagram, or Be Real LLC Events. And also on Facebook at Stacia D. Wright and Be Real LLC as well. Thanks for listening to Planet Noun, where it's all about the people, places, things, and ideas that teach us, prompt us to make a difference, and do more with what life presents. Today's guest, Stacia D. Wright of Be Real Media Management, the Stacia D. Wright Show on Bright Radio, a wife, mom, and entrepreneur. I'm Liz Anderson, your host. Get all the links and more information at planetnown.com. And don't forget to follow on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and stop by Apple Podcasts and rate the show. If you have interview ideas, folks who are doing the most to make a difference where they're planted, or folks with an interesting story and you think I should feature them, please drop me an email, planetnown at gmail.com, or you can message me on the Planet Noun Facebook page. Thanks again for stopping by, and until next time, take care.